Welcome to Sliding Doors, the podcast that delves into the decisions and moments that shape our lives. I am Jenny Becker, and throughout my life, career and relationships, I've always been fascinated with the notion that everything happens for a reason, alongside my love for the 90s movie classic, Sliding Doors. Have you ever really thought about those moments that shaped your life? Those decisions that could have gone either way in the opportunities presented to you? What if you had taken that job? or told that person in high school how much you like them. Each episode, I will talk to some amazing people from all walks of life and chat about their sliding doors moments. We will reflect on how a decisional moment changed the course of their lives and how things might have looked if they had never happened. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. My guest today is Eleanor Matsura. Eleanor is an English actress who is best known for her roles in Spooks the Greater Good, The Walking Dead and Into the Badlands. She was born in Tokyo and raised in Hertfordshire, graduating from the Central School of Speech and Drama. Eleanor started working on stage at the Royal Court Theatre, the Old Vic and several West End theatres. She's appeared on several TV dramas, including Cuffs, Sherlock and Doctor Who, and she is probably best known for her current role on the hit TV show The Walking Dead, where she portrays Yumiko. She is married to the Canadian actor Trevor White, and they currently live in Atlanta with their daughter, and she is a passionate advocate for animal rights. I'm so excited to chat to her today and hear all about her amazing life and sliding doors moments. So welcome to the podcast, Eleanor. Hi. Thank you so much for joining me today. I know you've been super, super busy, so really appreciate your time. Um, So how's life in Atlanta? Yeah, life in Atlanta today is very hot and humid, (laughs) which isn't unusual for Atlanta. Um, But yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a good life out here, you know. Uh, I haven't, well, I know a lot of people haven't seen their their friends and family with the, the shit show that was 2020, but um, we've just been here for since January. So yeah. um, we managed to kind of escape London <laughs> in lockdown, come out here in January. And I have to say, I think because of lockdown, it's made me appreciate 
the life I have in Atlanta even more because yeah. we've got a lot of space here and um you know it's a good life the weather's good I was gonna say it sounds like you've got the weather because you haven't missed any form of summer in England whatsoever no I'm sorry about that I've got updates from all my friends and family and I was like that looks terrible yeah no (laughs) and it's very British for us to talk about the weather but it really has been terrible so you're very lucky to have the nice humid hot weather that you have at the moment so you were actually born in Tokyo how old were you then when you moved to the UK Oh, I was actually super young. So we left when I was three months old. So my my sister, I have a two uh, I have a sister who's two years older than me, and she yeah. that she was born there too. So my parents had lived there. My mum's British. And they lived in Japan for quite a few years. Um, had my sister, then had me, and then my dad got a job in America. So we actually moved to Los Angeles wow. when I was three months old. So I, I really have obviously no memory of Japan, um, but I do have some early memories of LA. And then we stayed there till I was about four and then came back to the UK where I sort of did the rest of my growing up really. So I feel yeah. very, very British in that sense. I feel very connected to um Britain sort of mostly you know but uh I have this other kind of more adventurous start to my life as well you know. No I love that and actually it's it's nice to have kind of been able to travel a bit at such a young age. Are all your family still based in the UK? Yeah they are they they are still based in the UK they they live um in Hertfordshire and it's funny actually because history is sort of repeating itself in a way because my you know now I live here and we did a lot of traveling around when um, my daughter was first born you know we went to Ireland I was shooting a job in Ireland um into the Badlands and we went there to do that when she was three months old so um really she's I, I keep thinking about that actually how her early experience is kind of mirroring my early yeah. experience I like that, you know, I want, I, I want to try and give her a sense of the world and a sense of um, home, maybe being in lots of different places and it being with who you're with, not just a geographical place, you know, I kind of, I kind of like that. Definitely. And also it's the, it's an easy age to travel when your kids are that young because they just can follow you around and do whatever you want. They don't, they're not really speaking yeah. yet. And they don't. Yeah, they say that, but actually it can be a right pain. In the ass. <laughs> <laughs> of course it is. It's, it's, it's particularly when she was a baby, baby, it was very, very easy. I mean, she didn't even realize she was in a different country. Yeah. I just sort of hope that it kind of seeped into the bones of her in a way you know what I mean yeah it became part of her story in the same way that me being born in Japan is part of my story even though I don't remember it and are you filming you're currently filming is it the last series of um The Walking Dead that's right it's the final 11 seasons all in all so it's the show's amazing and how does that feel is it like are you kind of scared about it are you excited about it ending does it feel like can you feel it coming to an end bag to be honest I feel very well first of all I feel very humbled by to to be on the show and I really mean that because it's been such a huge part of people's lives for so long um I think for any show to make it to 11 seasons is extraordinary not to mention all the spin-offs and all the things that it has going on in its universe so that's you know I I really do feel really honored to be part of that story um but 
it also feels a bit abstract to talk about the end. It's like trying to talk about how the landing is going to feel when you're yeah. still flying. You know, Definitely. When you're very good analogy. Yeah. Like, so we're only halfway through right now because it's an extended season. We go, we film all the way to, through till March. So, And um, you film as it's, because in America, you film kind of as it's being shown, don't you? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but we're only, you know, we're still in the middle of shooting the season. So it's a... Uh, that must be quite cool though, because you kind of get the buzz of everybody watching it while you're still fl- filming it. So you kind of, I don't know, it kind of creates that whole atmosphere around the whole show. Yeah, it's, it's a trip. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I've never worked on a show like that before. This is kind of my first big foray into like American television and being out here and experiencing that machine and what it's like. And um, I, yeah, I quite enjoy it. It's nice to, it's nice to see the impact it's having whilst you're still creating it. That's definitely. Cool. definitely. Yeah. In terms of the end being in sight, it's, it just feels very abstract right now. And but it's good. Uh, you don't want to think of the end. You want to enjoy the journey as you say, is that you're still on. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. And I think, you know, in our line of work, there's there's lots of endings and beginnings all the time so you know I'm quite used to that and actually this has been quite rare The Walking Dead in terms of you know this is my third season on the show so I I haven't had that many endings and beginnings it's been a long one for me um and in some ways I feel like I've just started you know I bet you do yeah I feel like I just just sort of sat down you know and got comfortable and took my seat at the table and now it's like oh gosh it's ending so yeah I'm just trying to make the most of, you know, every, every moment, whatever that brings. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I mean, we spoke, I spoke a bit in the introduction about how you've done a lot of theatre as well. Do you kind of prefer doing theatre or TV? Like, and obviously they're quite different in terms of, you know, being in front of a live audience and kind of it being the, like, you've got to get it done then and there. What do you, what's, what do you prefer doing? I honestly couldn't pick between the three film tv and theater they're all amazing I'm definitely more like I've divided my time quite until recently I I, it was like a 50 50 split I do theater and I do tv in sort of quite equal measures and um I was I feel very very lucky that I get to do both of those things because I love them so much yeah like I'm a theater kid at heart like I think that would be where I started you know that was where my training was that was um kind of where my heart is um and I miss it I miss mm-hmm. I miss it being on I miss yeah. going to theater oh, it's it yeah we've start just started opening up theaters here so it's brilliant to be able to just kind of be in that environment again I know and it's escapism for everyone you know not just the audience but the actors you know you're you give your all to those characters and it's what you thrive off and you thrive off the audience and they thrive off you and um it's really lovely to know that that you love kind of all aspects of what you do and it just sounds like the passion just comes from within no matter what hearing you talk about that it just reminds me that there's 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 no buzz quite like doing live theatre. There's just yeah. nothing like it. You know, I, I have so many times stood on the edge of a stage and like been so nervous. I want to throw I up. I can't even imagine how nerve wracking it is. Horrific. I mean, it's horrific. And I always say this, like if someone said to me, if someone comes up to me, would come up to me in that moment and say, do you want to leave? Do you, you don't have to do this if you don't want to. I would absolutely be like, yeah, you're right. What so, am yeah. I doing? <laughs> this is awful and I'd want to leave, but 
but then you you have to go on because that person n- never comes to save you. Yeah. You go on and you do it, and it's it is a rush like no other. And what would you say has kind of been your proudest moment in your career so far with all the things that you've done? Like going back to work after I'd had my baby. Yeah. And, or even like working through my pregnancy, mm-hmm. like looking back at that, I really, I really feel like that's, I'm so proud that I managed to do that and that I was mm-hmm. given the opportunities to do that. And I'm really grateful that I was supported because I actually yeah. was. Um, I always love saying this to people because I think they're so having a baby in this industry, being pregnant. Well, actually, it's not just in this industry, is it? Let's face it, it's in lots of industries. Yeah. You know, it, it just gets such a bad reputation for like, you have a baby, that's it, it's over. Mm-hmm. You know, the opportunities won't come your way and work's going to dry up. And I was so terrified about that for so long. Um, I really put off having a baby. And then when I finally did, I found that I was supported um, in the most extraordinary ways. So one of the proudest moments would be doing this show Into the Badlands, which was this like martial arts show that was (laughs) Ireland. And at the time they said to me, you know, do you want to come back and... um, for the, for another season and um you can bring your baby and we'll support you and I agreed to coming back uh when she was 12 weeks old so I had no idea you know I was thinking yeah, oh, yeah weeks I'll off. be fine I just need oh, two weeks back. off <laughs> and of course 12 weeks rolled around and I was like oh my gosh what am I yeah. doing she's so tiny but um you know me we all me my husband and her we moved out to Ireland and we 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 did it we filmed it and i would do the costume people there they built me a corset which had removable breast pads so amazing I could very easily and I you know would hop on and off set whenever I needed to go to her and they set me up a little tent um for her outside so we could you know have our own private area to nurse and it was just it yeah I look back on that time and I think I'm proud of myself yeah um, and being able to work and be, you know, a new mum at the same time. But I'm also really grateful that I had the support because it's not always easy to ask for it. But actually, I was really surprised. People, people do really want to support you. So yeah. I always want to spread that around to people. No, and it's so. it's so it's such a good message to spread around, and it's actually a brilliant proud moment. And we're going to talk a bit more about it in your moments later because you are right. Like it's not just your industry; it's women in general. I talk about this with my friends a lot. That there's an just an underlying pressure that you feel like you're being judged, or that people aren't going to support you or understand you, and. I can't wait to delve more into that message because I think it's so strong and I think you really show that actually sometimes, you know, even more good can come out of kind of pushing yourself to do stuff. So before we do talk about your moments, um, I wanted to ask you about your beliefs around kind of the sliding doors concept, the theory that everything happens for a reason. Are you a big believer in this or do you kind of think it's more to do with what you put in, you get out? Or do you think it kind of like, you know, the stars align and then your path is kind of set for you? Obviously was giving this some thought. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> before coming on and obviously listening to your brilliant podcast already and I I um I think I, I think I do fall into the category of like things happen for a reason mm-hmm. and that you're probably on a path that was meant for you 
Yeah. I find myself more and more leaning back into that way of thinking mm-hmm. than, uh, which let's face it, is a nicer way of thinking than everything's just chaotic. And we're yes, <laughs> totally. Yeah. yeah. It's like charging through life, hoping for the best, which, you know, we are to a certain extent, but I've, I do think a lot about um, what's meant for me and not see where, where I where I trip over myself here is I, I I think well I also don't believe that I'm just sitting back and being like oh well then I guess great just, things yeah. are going to wander into my life because that's just going to be an easy easy life for me mm-hmm. um, I don't believe that I do believe in really constantly being in tune with yourself asking yourself what you want and mm-hmm. um and, and sort of understanding or delving into like what your purpose is and giving that attention yeah. and working on that. Um, and then I believe that those things will come because it's inevitable. Exactly. Um, and, and sometimes I guess it's about, you know, often opportunities can be presented to us, but you know, it's, it's what we do with those opportunities. I like, you know, you moving to Atlanta and like, again, we'll talk about this more, but it's those things that, you know, you don't, you can't just sit back and wait for it, but it's, you're in control of kind of like that part of fate and kind of those things happening for a reason for you. Yeah. Well, sometimes, you know, and I know you've dealt with this a lot on your podcast as well. Like things can happen in the moment where you think, well, that doesn't feel good. That's awful. I wanted that to happen. That's, Mm -hmm. that's, you know, that's so disappointing or that's so painful. And of course, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? It's 100%, like 100%, yeah. That would have really not been um, a great situation if that yeah. worked that way. Or, you know, look at me now, I'm in a better situation. Yes, so, 100%. So, yeah, so I, I I like to think that we're, we all have a path mm-hmm. um, and that also takes work and fine-tuning and attention. Yeah, definitely. And I think that that's why I love doing the podcast because as you say, I like delving back into people's lives and decisions and moments because as you say, at the time, they can feel like the best thing you've ever decided, the worst thing, but you can make sense of things and you can understand why they happened. And I guess that going into your first moment, there's a few of those bits in there, which your first moment's brilliant. It's kind of a bit twofold. So the first part of it is you presented a TV show in Bosnia when you were 17 for charity um, and you thought you'd go into a career of TV presenting. Uh, You met with a big TV agent at the time, but you also got into drama school and he kind of said to you, you've got to choose which one you want to do. Um, And then you kind of made that decision. So going and then we'll talk a bit about the kind of going into drama school after but did you always know you wanted to get into the entertainment industry like how did you even get that first presenting job it came about sort of quite strangely uh I must have been only 17 I think and um a friend of my dad's uh a Japanese man um Hiroshi um he ran a music studio and a charity they were based out of this little office in West Hampstead and um they did a lot of work for uh scores of like music uh, scores for films and um they also worked very closely well see his partner uh, a man called David Wilson um used to work for War Child um but then they kind of branched off and started their own their own charity yeah and this opportunity came about where they said they were going to go to Bosnia because of everything that happened post the war in Bosnia, bridge being bombed and all that sort of stuff. Um, 
they had lots of connections there and they decided to sort of help open up this center and um, raise lots of money for this charity. They put on this concert there. They yeah. use all their musical connections and they throw this, this gig there and it was going to be on Bosnian television. <laughs> So um, that's just hilarious to me. I don't know why. Well, I do know why. It's because I, I don't, you know, I don't know anything about Bosnian television. Yeah. I certainly don't speak the language. And um, they had uh, a lovely girl called uh, Nada who was there. Um, same age as me, actually. We were so young. And she was going to sort of do the presenting and the hosting for this show. And they needed somebody um, to trans, not translate, but do the English. English part, yeah. Yeah. And, um, and I'd they were looking for someone and my dad had said, Oh, you know, my daughter would be really interested in that. Yeah. I had the hunger to get out very, very young and I didn't quite know what I wanted to do. Um, but I had a feeling I'd always be really good at, uh, um, presenting a show. So anyway, I volunteered and off I went to Bosnia to do this, um, to do this gig. And, it was, a, it was so funny because this memory sits somewhere right in the back of my yeah. brain. When I was thinking about what, you know, what we were going to talk about today, I had to really dig way back there and go, oh, yeah, that happened. Like, yeah, because we don't remember so much stuff from when we're younger. It's, it's mad. Yeah, it was like a huge experience for me at the time. But because it's sort of such a long time ago now and my life has taken such a different direction, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, yeah, it's, it feels like. I'm talking about some someone completely different or it feels yeah. like I'm describing a dream that was that long ago but there I was I went out to Bosnia and we stayed there and we we did this gig and I mean the people that were on uh who were singing you know like I remember the 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 big one was Sia like it was a really? like, very young Sia she was just I think I don't even know if she was just signed maybe it was just like her and a guitar and um, there she was singing along and I remember her voice being incredible and yeah. her just magnetic energy and um, but you know we were all babies we were all just yeah. babies we raised money and we did it and then I think I probably had some you know this was before social media this was before camera phones and anything like yeah. that so I think we probably just had maybe on a VHS tape some footage of me presenting the the concert and uh, I came back and I had this meeting um, with a man called John Knoll. I, I wonder if he's still going. I think he was like the big manager of like, I think he was like- Isn't it weird that we can always remember people's names? Like, oh, yeah, and I remember so his well. card too. I remember his business card had really? like a star on it. It was like John Knoll with a star on it. And like, you were like, that's me. Yeah. And I remember like, I got really, I remember dressing up. I remember exactly what I wore. I wore like my- my fake sheepskin coat because I wanted to look like a, like the TV presenters I saw yeah. on TV. <laughs> I know what you mean. Very precisely. And I went into Camden to his offices and um, met him. And he was great. I remember, I remember him sitting me down and saying, I watched your tape and I think you, you, you know, this is really promising and um, I'm interested, but like, what are you doing right now? Like, where are you at? And at that point, I had just gotten into drama school. I think I'd yeah. just gotten into Central. And I'd gotten in, I think it must have been the second year because I tried for the first year and I hadn't gotten in. Yeah, so, so that's actually the kind of second, mo- well, not moment, but you kind of said you didn't get in. And again, like, 
fate and everything happening and you were really de- and we were talking about this before like you were really devastated and upset about not getting in but actually yeah. like that was another kind of moment where like actually, you weren't ready for it I know it's so funny because I think that really made me giggle actually thinking about that memory because you know I was so I knew I wanted to be an actress that was one of my big big dreams and um I auditioned for drama school. I must have auditioned very young. I must have been, yeah, I must have been, I can't have been 16, maybe I was 17. But um, I remember uh, getting quite far, but not getting in, like kind of falling at the final stage. Mm-hmm. And I was devastated. Oh, I was the like, worst thing in the world. Oh my God. I mean, everything had been leading up to that moment. And I think for me, you know, there wasn't anything else. I didn't have any other options at that point. So I just took it so I was so dramatic I took it so personally which I really laugh at now because you know it just wasn't I wasn't ready it wasn't yeah. my time you know and um and how did you kind of pick yourself up that like did this presenting opportunity come in that kind of year in between where you were still you know like trying to go back that's again and right. yeah I think that's right I think what I what I did is very reluctantly I went away as per their advice, and just like, you know, just, I think you just need another year or whatever. And I was like, I don't want to do another year. <laughs> Fine. And I stomped off and, um, what, you know, thought about all these other things that I might be able to do, ended up doing the gig in Bosnia, came back, auditioned again, got offered places, um, but particularly Central was where I wanted to go. I had a good, I don't know why, I just had a good feeling about a it. feeling, yeah. Yeah, and then found myself sat back in that office, in John Knoll's office, having a discussion with him and him saying, well, you know, it says here that you are you might be going to drama school. Like, what do you want to do? Because there's this path here, which I would be interested in talking to you about taking, or, mm-hmm. or I think, you know, this drama school thing, but I don't think you can do both. I think you have to make a decision. And you know what? He was, he was right because yeah. actually I wouldn't have been able to commit to both at that stage. Yeah. And you would have spread yourself too thin and done too much. Yeah. yeah I think drama school is very consuming. You know, it's very, um, it's a three year, uh, sort of full time all in, uh, experience. So I think I just, it was so interesting having the options put laid out for me so bluntly, you know, and I, I just knew, I was just like... So was it like a gut feeling or did you really have to, you know, chat to your parents and think about it? Did you just know deep down that like drama school was for you? Yeah, total gut feeling. It was just like, I think I might have even said, you know, thank you very much. And obviously I'll think about it and let him know and everything. But I walked out of that office thinking, isn't that funny? Like this this sort of glamorous office and this exciting, you know, London. Like I was in London, I was in Camden. I was in you know it felt very exciting but there was something in the pit of my stomach which just was like no I think I think you know what the answer is and the answer is that's so great though because it's almost like you know when people you know if you've got to choose between two things and you put them behind your back and then one comes you automatically know what your gut's going to tell you even if you don't think you do and it's actually really interesting that you you wanted to be a tv presenter and that was your moment but actually you knew deep down this was your time to go to drama school and I mean thank god you did because it's kind of created the whole path of your acting life yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think, um, and I, and I, I think there was something about knowing. You put it perfectly. There was something about knowing that it was the right time for that. Mm-hmm. I just felt like, no, this is what I'm meant to be doing now. I'm meant to be going to school here. That just feels right. And and you know, 
in light of it being my sort of second attempt to kind of get in, I, I also look back on that now and it makes me laugh so much because I really shouldn't have been in that, you know, I would have been in the year above and I, yeah. I, I would, I'm so glad that I had the experience with the people I had the experience with. Because yeah, because you made some really amazing friends, didn't you, in that, in lifelong, that year as well? Yeah. Lifelong friends, like, you know, like they're like family to me now. And that's, it was a very particular experience I had. And I fully believe that that's the experience I was meant to have, mm-hmm. you know. So even if it didn't feel good at the time to my devastated 17-year-old self. I just look back on it now and I think, oh, it's hilarious. It's just- yeah, and it's, but that's why I also love talking about these moments because it's a great message to younger people because we all go through it. We all go through where yeah. we want something so much. We want to be in that year at school. We want to get into something that year and it doesn't work out and you think it's the worst thing, but you've got to believe that there's a reason why and actually like things will fall into place just maybe at a different time. That's exactly it. And I think the same, you know, I have to hold on to these feelings for like my daughter or, you know, mm-hmm. um, any other of my you know young, young family that I know, because when those moments happen, it can feel so painful or, you know, hurtful at the time. And it's, that's, that's all valid. Those feelings are all valid. But if you can have the strength to sort of zoom out mm-hmm. and just think, you know, look at, look at it from a sort of wider perspective and think maybe this happened for a reason. And I guarantee you that at some point you'll look back and go, ah, okay, all right. That's why it was meant to happen. That's why. And I also, I mean, do you ever, I mean, maybe you don't, but have you ever thought about what if you had have chosen the path of being a presenter and not have gone to drama school? I mean, your life just would have been, do you reckon it would have just been totally different? Yeah, I don't know. I did think about it a little bit. I definitely thought about it a lot when I was a broke actor, having just yeah. graduated from school. <laughs> You're like, I could be in Bosnia that. right now on Bosnian TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah me on Bosnian TV, the star yeah. of Bosnian TV. Um, yeah, I definitely thought about it when, you know, um, I was desperately trying to get a job and there were no prospects. But, um, and I don't know, I, 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 I never regretted the choice. I never, I never looked back and thought, hmm, I've often daydreamed about what it would be like, but yeah. I also think nowadays we're living in a time where, you know, it used to be very like, if you were an actor, you kind of had to stay in your lane. And, yeah. you know, if you were this and that, people love labels and they love to sort of put you in a box and say, just stay there. And I think that's changing now. Oh, you know? it really so, has. So, you know, maybe I will present a travel show one day. You never know. Um, it can... Journeys around Bosnia. There you go. It can be the dream. <laughs> that can be what you aspire to be. But no, you're so, so right. And I think that actually what's great about your moments is the one decision you made to go to drama school actually is the catalyst to all your other moments because your second one I love as well. So your second one was that you had a trip planned to Australia. You had your ticket booked, but then you got your first jo- theatre job at the Royal Shakespeare Company where you met your husband. So this is two things. This is one, um, you know, the travel side of you and then you got a job in theatre but then that also led to you meeting the love of your life so what happened where who are you going to Australia with um you know how long were you meant to be going for and what happened when you were offered this job well I remember I was in a particular phase of like unemployment it was Mm -hmm. just one of those times that you know happen a lot to actors particularly actors who sort of are fresh and new um to the industry and I was just going through this phase of just you know no job was coming no prospects were around and I was working in a cafe um in London and I just was feeling really sort of fed up 
And mm. my friend had just uh, gone to Australia traveling and was, you know, I didn't even think it was sending me pictures because we phone, phones didn't work like <laughs> that. It was like more like emails and things like that. And she said that she was having such a good time. And, you know, she kept saying, come out, come out, come out. And one day I just thought, yeah, all right. Gonna do it, yeah. Why not? What am I waiting around here for? Let's go and, let's go and live life, you know, mm-hmm. as opposed to waiting for it to happen. Um, and so I saved up my money and I got another job. Um, I worked in a makeup shop, you know, in Knightsbridge and just tried to like do all as these much things. money as you could. Exactly. I was just trying to like hustle to get the money. And, and I, and I did, and I, I bought a ticket. And then of course, I think life always works like this. It certainly yeah. works like this in terms of getting work. If you're self-employed, if you want a job, book a holiday. That is, <laughs> that is one of those truths that happens if you're self-employed. Yeah. Um, and just make sure that the ticket is, you know, refundable. Yeah. Flexible ticket. <laughs> yeah. So I booked the ticket and as soon as I booked the ticket, I, an audition came through for the Royal Shakespeare Company and, you know, I, I thought, oh no, okay, well, I've obviously got to go and do it. Yeah. Knowing that it would be a direct clash if I got it. And maybe in a way having the ticket to Australia in my pocket kind of helped because it made me less um, kind of desperate walking into a room. Yeah, like, like it took the pressure off slightly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think, I think sometimes ambivalence can really, really help yeah um, situations like that and I was I was very very much like well I'll go in and do this audition and if I get it that's great but if I don't get it I get to go to Australia so it's yes. kind of a win. <laughs> total win-win yeah and you know you know the end of the story I did get the, the job and so um you know it's funny similar to what we were talking about before when I found out the news that I got offered the job it was also a no-brainer. I knew. I was going to say, I, I, I gather that like you were just like, I cannot turn this down. Yeah, it was like this is work. This is everything I've wanted to do. Um, you know, it's the Royal Shakespeare Company. It's all very yeah. prestigious, and it's all you know. It's my first big theatre job, and I just thought I can't, I can't do that. Australia will still be there, um, and so I will go and do this job, and. Um, I'm again never regret never regretted the decision at all it was it was such um such a fun experience the whole thing for me like it was a really special time um and yeah and I met my husband he was in the same cast so really so you met him on this job yeah wow yeah, yeah. um that's like a win-win-win the win-win-win yeah <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that was a huge door and opening yeah. the path in my life which has um led to a family and everything everything now. and it's true I mean I love the kind of fate angle of this because as you say it's it you can say you know if you're you know a freelancer book a holiday but it's like that with life it's like even like when you're looking for anything you don't find it and as soon as you stop looking it comes and finds you and this is the actual example of that and um yeah. I guess was do you ever think I mean again have you been to Australia since actually that was my one of the questions I wanted to ask no oh no I think it's right up there on my bucket list it's really like I've wanted to go for so long I guess maybe the perfect scenario would be working there 
Yep. And that would be like kind of the best of both worlds, right? Like the I next job, go... visualize it, it being filmed yeah. in Australia. Yeah. As you say, it's still there and it hasn't changed. And what you've managed to get from this job is like, as you say, ultimately your family. I mean, from a from a career perspective, how did your role and kind of this job in the Royal Shakespeare Company really kind of push you into theatre and everything else that you've done so far? You know, it's funny because... I couldn't say, if I'm truly honest, I'd be like, oh, I did this incredible role and then everyone saw it and loved it and like all these roles came afterwards. But what it does do is put something on a piece of paper on your CV. And as soon as you have, you know, it's like you're collecting these little pieces, you know, to sort of get to the next thing, like a video game, just collecting all the little coins you need to get to the next level. And, And, you know, something like the Royal Shakespeare Company, certainly at that time, was a, it was a big coin, you know, um, you put that on your CV and it becomes this kind of uh, valuable piece of uh, trade, you know, walk into the next audition and they say, oh, okay, you've just done this. Okay, cool. Um, It's almost like you get given a look at, like just for being on your CV. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, um, you know, it was so work-wise I would say that's that's sort of the best thing it gave me but in terms of my personal life obviously my husband yeah I was gonna say like do you ever think like do you think your paths would have crossed if you hadn't have done the that kind of production at the same time Oh, that's a good question. I mean, it's really hard for me to say because obviously you don't know, but, you know, it is, I, I love when people meet at work or meet when they're doing one thing and it's happened a lot on the podcast because, you know, it's not just a job. It's like, as you say, like, that's where you both met. Yeah, you're right. Well, actually, yes, we would have done because we've done, we've worked together quite a bit since and not by design. Fine. Um, okay. So that's good. So you hopefully your paths would have crossed somewhere along the line. It was a really magical time. We had a great cast, a wonderful group of people. We got to travel to Washington, D.C., and we went to Spain. And it was, um, so the experience gave me so much, as well as, you know, the sort of ticking a box on the CV. It was a, it was a real um real home run that one yeah oh that's so brilliant and advice to anyone if you're struggling to get work or find a husband book a holiday <laughs> to Australia and everything will come come to you a hundred percent um that's the one thing you take away from this podcast yes, yes 100%, that's what you do. yeah <laughs> on a flexible ticket you might find a husband um oh I love that and and I guess as well going into your third moment which we touched on earlier but I want to delve a lot more into it so you say that having your daughter in 2017 um if you hadn't have had your baby you never would have had the empowerment to ask for what you want and it's such a relevant topic today not only for actors but for any woman that kind of wants to have a family and you said you put off having kids because you were worried about kind of your place in the industry um but actually the flip happened to you whereas when you became pregnant you kind of landed one of your biggest roles so do you want to kind of explain um this moment to us and why it is such a big decision and and moment for you I feel like it's hard to talk about things that are happening in my career without talking about my daughter because they're so intertwined in my personal experience of it um I think for a lot of actresses um the the sort there's a sort of okay I'm really generalizing but go mm-hmm. with me it's like there's sort of a sweet spot around kind of like your 
30s. Yes. Probably like early 30s, right? Where you might have had enough experience, you know, where you've been around and done a certain amount of work, you know, if you're not the kind of person that's just come straight out the gate and lucked out and become, mm-hmm. you know, like a hugely successful actor, well, that's great. But for most people, it's like you need to get a few things under your belt first. And, and then if that goes well, the 30s becomes kind of this time where like suddenly good roles are coming in. Yeah. Suddenly better parts are happening and better offers are happening. And, you know, it's such a rich time that it feels like just, you know, career suicide to suddenly like have a baby and just throw chaos into take that. time out, yeah. Right? That's something that you've been working so hard for. And um, so I was aware of that and I, I, that had been on my mind for a while. And I thought to myself, I'll just put off having kids for as long as possible because my I'm enjoying working and I'm enjoying well, I'm just enjoying being kid free as well but yeah um, I knew that eventually I wanted to make that decision and you know the roles that I were getting were better and better and better so I was like oh, man this is kind of at odds but then I found out that I was pregnant and um I sat with it for a bit and I, I struggled with it a lot I struggled with um no, it's more that I, it's not that I struggled with this. I just, I struggled with the initial decision, but like yeah. actually what I needed to do was have a really long talk with my partner, with mm-hmm. my husband, because, you know, I had to make my feelings really clear and set out my stall really clearly about like, this isn't going to be a case of, oh, she had a baby and, you know, that's it. That's why she's not working so much. Like yeah. that's not going to be my story. I want to be a working um, actor, and I want to be a, a present mother. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying that that's not going to be challenging. God knows now that I know it's challenging, but that's what I want. Mm-hmm. And in order to get that, um, I'm going to need your help. So you know, you're going to have to also be a working actor and a working present father um so I just needed to be really clear about that that how that balance was going to go because you know however progressive you think you are and my god I think we're incredibly progressive me and my husband there are still outdated values around um, oh, society and pressures and everything the industry yeah. everything so I was really feeling that but then kind of what happened was an extraordinary thing because I found that as soon as I said yes to life and I said yes to the pregnancy and I said yes to having a, you know all of that stuff life kind of said yes to me back to you yeah I Amazing. just felt that things shift in a way where suddenly I was like oh I got get offered a job here I get offered a job there and I'd say at every step of the way oh I'm I'm pregnant and they said that's fine we'll make the character pregnant you know and they change it and I'd be like oh oh okay well that's cool um Badlands job like I spoke about being so incredible at supporting me my my first job back you know and I was still nursing and figuring that out and um you know I, I it's taken me a long time to even be able to admit that like I love talking about it because yeah. sometimes I need to worry like oh god people just think she's banging on about her kid the whole time she's banging on about how hard breastfeeding was at work but the truth is I did find it hard and I still do find it hard. And people need to know because, you know, when I hear you say this story, do you feel like with the situation you were in, do you feel like 
it was better than you anticipated because you'd like given into it and you kind of went into things with such a kind of clear head of what you wanted, how you're going to be. Or do you think that sometimes the perception of everything was way worse than the reality itself? Do you, or do you think it was a mixture of everything? Like, do, do you think that sometimes, you know, cause it's really hard. And I think a lot of women struggle with this generally, like, you know, going back to work and people saying, oh, well, why is she going back to work? Like, you know, she's right. just had a baby and blah, blah, blah. And do you think that actually maybe it was that your positive, just like, I'm going to do this attitude made people feel more comfortable around you? I think it's a mixture of all of those things, if I'm honest. You know, yeah. I think it was, I'd love to say I had some sort of master plan and that like I just surrendered and then everything was okay. But but truthfully, I'm working it out as I go along, yeah. you know, yes. just like everybody else. And, um, it, you know, I... I found that talking about it, well, I put it this way, I found that I needed to talk about it. I found it like I needed to tell people the good stuff. Yeah, like, oh my God, you know, guys, turns out you can have a baby and work and be supportive. Yay, we need to spread that message. But also, it's hard. And as you say, you've got to be open. Like, it sounds like you were very open with your communication with your partner as to exactly like what you wanted out of this, but also what you needed from him. Right, exactly. And actually, I gravitate towards people who are very honest about their journeys. I love getting into the nitty gritty. That's just who I am anyway. I like Mm -hmm. talking about truths and being honest. I felt like I'm less interested in, in parents and actors selling me this sort of ideal story of like, oh, I had a baby and it's not that hard. And I just went back to work and turns out I can do everything. I'm like, if that's your truth, that's fantastic. Great. Yeah. But don't bullshit. That's not my truth. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and just in case there's somebody else who doesn't, you know, that's not their truth. That's that I wanted to, that's why I want to talk about it all the time because yes, I'm doing it. And yes, I'm happy that I get to do it and grateful I get to do it. But do I work really, really hard at making sure that I can spin all these plates? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's a constant, constant um, attention to detail, uh, you know, never letting one drop, uh, like, process, you know. Always. But you but you committed to it. And actually, when you got offered your part in um, The Walking Dead, you had to move and go to a different mm-hmm. country. And I guess where you kind of met with lots of people's perceptions of like oh you've got like because you mentioned like you know if she's just had a baby what's she doing and you know you know deep down that you can make it work but was that a really hard decision to kind of make a lot because of the noise around you yeah it, it, it was really fascinating actually sort of um what came up around that time I mean you know my daughter was so young she was only six months I think and we just um moved like we bought a house in London so as far as, you know, that's a big deal for us. Yeah. You know, we were like, this is it. We're, we're settling down. This is our life now. We've sort of made, you know, we've, we've set out our, our sort of plan of like, this is where we're going to be. And um, then, of course, this job came in and like, okay, it's this, it's this show and it films in America. And that would mean relocating the entire family to America mm-hmm. because, if it was pre-baby, then I would have just gone and come back and forth and it would have been, you know, it would have been yeah. footloose and free. Exactly. But we don't operate like that anymore. We, we now have to move as a unit. So that was really interesting because I I had to sit down and, you know, there were lots of sleepless nights about like, am I doing the right thing? Is this the right thing for my family? You know, asking them to relocate, taking my 
baby away from, you know, like everything. I mean, she was only six months, but like still everything she knows, her grandparents, you know, our new house. And it, it did feel really, really scary. And the thing that kept coming up again and again from people was um, when I would tell them that I got this job, they'd say, well, what about, what about um, the family? What do you, what about the family? As if like, I was just going to go off on your own. (laughs) I'll just leave them there. I'll just go, yeah, they're just going to stay. They're just going to stay in England and I'm just going to go. I'll I'll see them when I see them. Yeah. Who cares about the first six months of my baby's life? Right. I'll face time. What's the problem? Like this idea that, you know, there's an afterthought there of like, you know, me just going, going off and then like, they'll just have to follow me come what may. And the second thing that came up a lot was um, how much everyone told me I was lucky um, Mm -hmm. to be married to Trevor and like how he was so amazing for coming out and um, looking after uh, our daughter, which I always found really fascinating because yes, I do feel very lucky and um, that's, but 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 that's not that's not the story like it always astounded me like that that people assumed that that was the story that I'm this person who accepted the job and he's the person who's therefore has to stay at home and look after yeah like it's one or the other one only one person can do what they want to do right it's two roles and they have to be fulfilled and that must be the story and I was like that's not the story at all that's not what it feels like you know as I said we had this conversation very early on that we were both going to be present parents and we were both also going to try and be you know do our jobs and sometimes that job takes one or other you know into different parts of the world and we just all follow each other and make it work and so I just found that really interesting that Mm -hmm. that in this day and age those questions could still come up um sort of um people were so astonished that I could do such a thing and and I always found that to be in my heart I've always felt like that's what I want. I want to be someone who works all the time, who's fulfilled by my work. Yeah. And I know that I need my work in order to, you know, for, for me, to make me better. If I was... And to I'm, make you the best mother that you can be. Right. Like some people, if you get your fulfillment out of being a mom, it's amazing. Like whatever it is for you, that is amazing. Yeah. For me, I need my work. And I also love being a mom, you know? Yeah. I want to be able to hold those things at the same time and give them their equal weight and and I want to be able to travel the world and you know I want all of these things and I just I guess I was quite surprised that people were still a little bit so old-fashioned in their responses like how can you have all these things I was like wait isn't that what we're all going for oh okay it's such a great story and it's such an inspiration for people listening who do have children and feel the same about whatever they do. Because as you say, I think it, it's lots of different things. Number one, it's about being honest with yourself about what do you want out of life, but also committing to it. You know, if you say we come as a package, take me or leave me, you've got to have the confidence to kind of say that to someone. And if it doesn't work out, it's not meant to be. And yeah. it's really inspirational what you've done. And as you say, it's not easy. It's really hard, but it's hard because you know what you want and you're willing to kind of work to make that happen for you um and you know it's a lovely way to to live your life and there isn't just the set path of you know you get married you stay in the same place your kids go to school and that works for some people but not for everyone and you can you can make your life work for how you want it to and you've got your priorities as you say you want to be the best mum you can be and the best person you can be and they can kind of come hand in hand together Right, exactly. And it's so funny, actually, just even, I even realised just 
just going through my little <laughs> sliding doors moments with you now, like, you know, I could trace that feeling all the way back to, um, you know, being in Chorleywood and going, this isn't for me. Yeah. Like I, I felt that then. I was like, this isn't for me. And it's just genuinely no, no judgment. It's for my mom and it's for my sister. And, that, you know, that's, that's fine. It's just I knew it wasn't for me. I knew I wanted something different. Mm-hmm. And the way I'm choosing to live my life now is I think if there's one thing that's great about the lifestyle choice that I've made is that it constantly nudges me back to making sure that I'm in the present and mm-hmm. constantly always asking myself, is this still what I want? Oh, Eleanor, honestly, that is such a lovely message to finish on. And I really could chat to you so much more about all of these moments. And you've had a brilliant life. I love kind of all of your moments along the way. And I love that kind of you can really pinpoint some decisions way, way back to like all the things that happened in your life and keep doing what you're doing. I hope um, the Walking Dead final series goes really well. I'm really excited to see what kind of is coming up next for you as well. Oh, thank you so much, Jenny. It's been so lovely talking to you. A pleasure. Thanks so much, Eleanor. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Sliding Doors. If you've enjoyed our chat and found it inspiring, I would love it if you could rate, review, share and subscribe. Thank you so much. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.